God. Amen. Welcome, household of faith, people of God. Amen. Why don't you give your neighbor a high five? Say, it's good to see you this morning. Amen. It's good to look around and see the family of faith, the people of God. What a beautiful day it is to be, to, to, to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to say like David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know why? Because when the people of God come together, Jesus said, wherever two or three come together, who are gathered together in my name, there in mind, the midst of them. So we welcome the spirit of the living God. We welcome Jesus to his house. What an awesome day it is. Amen. And I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see you here. We're going to have an awesome day in the Lord today. Here in just a little while, we're going to be praying for all our kids. Amen. We're going to pray for all of our children. If you're part of the school system in any way, if you touch it in any way, uh, through your employment or maybe uh, through through maybe resource or some way that you get into the school system, you man, if you deliver paper to the schools, we're going to pray for you today. If you, if you deliver pencils and, and, and paper, we're going to pray over you because... We really believe that God will move as we pray for the people who are involved in our education system. And we know a lot is going on there. And we want to believe and trust God that when your kid gets there, they're going to be in safety. They're going to be moving about. They're going to rise to the very top. I'm believing for valedictorians and salutatorians here at the church. And so if you want your baby to get to where they're trying to go, you're in the right place. We're going to, we're going to believe God and bless God. And over the many years, we've been seeing as prayer is culminating, we've been seeing our kids get to the very top, kids winning scholarships and going to college and all the many wonderful things and blessings that are involved when people pray, amen. And so we're going to be praying for our kids here in just a little while, but we're going to get into a conversation today, and I pray that you came today with an open heart, ready to hear what God has to say. And I pray that you allow the Spirit of God to move over because the Spirit of the Lord is present right now, the anointing of the Holy Ghost will impress upon you and say to you things that you couldn't say to yourself that could only come from God. And I pray that your heart is open and you're ready to receive it, right? I know a lot is going on and there will be a lot of busyness in our lives, but we got to be careful that that busyness doesn't choke the Word of God right out of us, right out of us and that we steady ourselves. Amen. So we're going to go about 30, 40 minutes in the Word of the Lord, and I promise you that if you just let the Spirit of God move over you, you're going to hear something, you're going to experience something you've never heard or experienced before. Amen. We are in a series entitled, What's Up? So look at your neighbor and say, what's up? What's up? We are in a series entitled, What's Up? It's really a guide to Christian living. Over the last several weeks, we've gotten to several components of, of the life that we have in the Lord and a guide to our Christian living. Today, we're stopping to examine the Word, the Word. And so I'm going to have you to stand as, you're, as we're getting into this particular uh, uh, teaching. And I know that many of you... Uh, have been, have been part of the series already as we talked about the church, the house, and we talked about serving God. And I pray that these services have been a ministration to you. And above all, I pray that when you're hearing these words, that we're just not hearers, but rather doers of the word of the Lord, and that we're hearing those things that are needful as we walk out our Christian life in a world that needs to see the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to take you to a very, a very popular passage of Scripture known throughout all of Christendom. Most people are familiar with these passages. I'm going to begin reading at verse 12, Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. I'll take it all the way through the end of verse 16. If you'll do me a favor, if you're like me, and I know there's still a lot of people, I'm so glad to look around and see people bringing their Bible. Amen. I know that we're in a technological age where people have, you know, all kinds of versions and, and, and Bibles on their phone. And I don't know if your phone has a lot of features where maybe you could put a, put a ribbon or a marker because I want you to put your Bible marker on Hebrews 1. And before I finish today's message, I'm going to read something out of Hebrews 1 that I believe is going to draw all the thoughts and thinkings of this message together. And then we're going to hear exactly what it is that we're talking about when we talk about the Word. So if you're in Hebrews chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading here at verse 12. I'll take it all the way through verse 16. And as many of you know, I am reading from the King James Version of my Bible, and it begins like this. Many of you can probably quote this, these verses along as I go. It says this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit 
and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open into the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Ugh. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore now, ah, oh, somebody, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are y'all ready to get into this with me? Let's do it together. Come on, pray with me. Let's get our minds collected here. Father, we thank you for the awesome privilege of entering into your house where your glory abides. We thank you, Holy Spirit, the glory of the Almighty One, present with us, moving about us, stirring hearts and minds, preparing it for the entry of the word of the Lord. When this word goes forward, it falls on pliable hearts, useful hearts. That, Father, the word that will be planted will yield back into the kingdom 30, 60, and 100 times that which was sown. And we pray that here amongst the family of faith, Holy Spirit, have your way, produce in us what must be produced in this time. I pray your help, your strength as we move forward today. We need you, Holy Spirit. Help us to make this time fruitful. And we pray that. No other name that can be prayed, but that precious name, that beautiful name we call Jesus. Amen and amen. Listen, before you're seated, will you do me a favor? Will you go grab five people and just say hello, but say, what's up? Just ask them, what's up? And then tell them, we're going to talk about the word. So go find somebody, just say, hey, what's up? What's up? What's up, brother? What's up, sister? Hey, we're going to talk about the word this morning. Yeah, yeah. Say, what's up? What's up? Amen. And amen. What's up? What's up? What's up? I have uh, said uh, today and even as I prepare myself today that uh, as many messages as I've preached over the years of ministry, I can say today that today is probably one of the most important messages you will ever hear in your lifetime. So I pray that you open up your heart and let God expound to you something so essential as the word of God. It is important that you realize that there is a struggle, a fight if you will. A warfare that rages in places and in parts of an atmosphere realm that very few of us know anything about. There, there is a place where warfare happens. The warfare that Paul talks about. Things unlawful for men to talk about. This is the warfare for the glory of God. There is war raging over who gets the glory. This is ancient warfare. It's happening right now. 
Who gets the glory? This intimation of glory was first delivered to us by the prophet Isaiah, who the Bible records was later disemboweled for his ascension into that glory. Isaiah writes in the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah, he says, I saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And above it stood the cherubims. Each of them had six wings. With twain did that cover their face, and with twain they did cover their feet, and with twain they did fly. And they cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The prophet Isaiah records that when he saw it, he says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He saw the glory. It is by the same prophet that the church is, is allowed to peer into that which happened long before earth was even formed. This was the fall of Lucifer. You remember him. It is a prophet Isaiah who pins in the 14th chapter of the book of Isaiah when he says this. Oh, how thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How they've been cast down to the ground. How it did weaken the nations. For you said in your heart, you will ascend into heaven. That you will exalt your throne above the stars of God. The stars of heaven. That you're going to sit in the mount of the congregation on the sides of the north. How you said in your own heart that you're going to ascend above the heights of the clouds. And you're going to ascend above the throne of God. You see, there's a battle for the glory. The enemy wants it. I've come here to tell you that we're in a culture now that knows very little about the glory of God. And this is problematic because it happens in the church because we've given you every facsimile of God except His glory. And people all around our city, all around the state of Texas are going into churches for everything but to see God. My friend, what you need is God. You, you need to see the Lord. You need to see the glory of God. Will you touch your neighbor and say, baby, you need to see the glory. We've given you every manner and expression of religion except God. We've got everything under the sun in the church except his presence and his glory. Do you know now that in culture there are two battlefronts and they've been going on forever. I just see a, 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 an increase in this activity against the church in two areas of warfare. And they're all about the glory. We just don't know it because the enemy is deceitful and is cunning. You know, how many know that sometimes when we fight warfare, we don't have a face to warfare? But, but, but we're fighting against principalities and powers and things that are not seen. And, and it is so in the church that, that, that today we see two battlefronts in the house of God. What are people attacking? They're attacking the word. The world is attacking this Bible. It's authenticity, it's reliability, it's origin, it's historicity. They're attacking the Bible. And you know what else they're attacking? They're attacking creation. Do, do you know why the enemy is attacking the Bible and the enemy is attacking creation? Because it's all the glory of God. Uh, creation is the expression of the glory by him and for him. 
The Word of God is the expression of the glory of God personified in a person. And there's an attack and it's concerted. And so the church defends the Word. It defends the Bible. I think there's a lot of people very ignorant about this Bible. And here, brother, sister, I'm not here telling you I'm here to defend your Bible. I'm here to defend the glory of Christ. I know a lot about this Bible. And I know what the Bible says. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. A workman needed not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. I know the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I know what the word says, but I'm not here to defend the Bible. I'm here to defend the word. The word. Somebody say the word. Give your neighbor a high five and say, I'm talking about the word, baby. Listen, I believe in the Bible. Don't, don't get me wrong. 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, 44 writers, a work so profound and so prolific, 25,000 extant copies. It is the greatest piece of literature in the world. Every verse, every chapter given to you by men who knew God. From the Old Testament to the hierarchy of the authority of the kingdom of Israel, we've got kings and judges and, and, and those men and judges who wrote it and prophets who wrote it. You get into the New Testament, the apostles and their firsthand knowledge of the person Christ. This Bible is true. But I'm not here to defend the Bible. I'm here to defend the glory of my God. You understand the creation. You know, nowadays we got people talking about, well, we don't need creation more because now we got science. It's as though now we're living in a world where, where the scientific method, its hypothesis, and the technological abilities of society and all the things that we think we know, we think we're so sophisticated and we know so much, and now we don't need the creation story. And people think you're an imbecile when you believe that God created these things. The, the, the creation story is under attack. Why? Because a creation story is a personification of the glory of God by him and through him. People don't realize how, how unique the creation story is to believing in Christ. Unique creation. Did you know that creation is the story of salvation? Brother and sister, have you not heard the story of creation in the beginning of Genesis chapter 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form, void. And darkness was upon, the, it was upon the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and he said it was good. And he divided the light from darkness. That is the story of the gospel. That's the message. Well, who is it talking about? It's talking about Jesus. Most people have never realized the creation story is the story of the work of the hands of Jesus. Did you know that, that in the book of Colossians chapter 1, in fact, why don't you open your Bible with Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. I'll quote it for you because this, these are things embedded in my spirit. For by him were all things created. That is in heaven. That is in the earth. Visible or invisible. Whether they be thrones, whether they be dominions, powers, principalities, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Unique creation to know just how thorough the glory of Christ truly is. And the enemy doesn't want you to think that Jesus made it. He wants you to think that all this is just some matter of evolution and some process of antiquity that's been going on for billions of years. He doesn't want you to know that Jesus did it all. Flip your Bible, Romans chapter 1, you know this verse. This is Paul said, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What, what is the gospel? The good news. I'm not ashamed of the good news of the gospel of Christ. He says, for it is a power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And what does he say? And therein 
is a righteousness of God revealed from what? From faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteous men who hold the truth of the unrighteous. Well, what are they holding unrighteously? You know what he says it is? It's the knowledge of creation. For the invisible things of him, listen, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by that which is made, even his eternal power and his Godhead, so that they are without excuse. He said, for that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. He said, but became vain in their own imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Friend, you need to know that Jesus made it all. Jesus did it all. This isn't new stuff. This was all manifested. Paul said this was all manifested. God showed it to them. Listen, when you go outside, that's the fullness of the glory of Jesus. He did it all. Paul, while traveling through the book of, uh, uh, through the city of Athens, saw an inscription, a superscription to a God. And they said to an unknown God. He said, let me tell you who that unknown God is. In him you live and move and have your being. Really, it's just you live because of Jesus. You see, you walk, you perceive, you understand, you're created in the image of God because Christ Jesus did it all. How amazing it is to know that Jesus made all of it by the work of his own hands. How amazing. How thoroughly glorious it is to know that the word produced everything we see, produced everything we know. It's amazing to see how thorough the work of Jesus truly is. My God is able. My Jesus is powerful. He, he can do it, man. He, the word of God. The word of God. It is also amazing to me to see that this creation story The reality of the glory of Jesus Christ for him and through him, by him, for us to realize that the very chair you're sitting on, the substance, its ability, all that you know about it is held together, consists of God, consists of the word. That it was Jesus who stood in proxy. Some of you may be familiar with St. John chapter 1. You can flip your Bible over there. This should be embedded in your spirit. St. John chapter 1. In the beginning. This is John, the beloved, giving to you an idea, an understanding of what actually happened in creation story. And he's given to you in first person. You, you, you understand that now this is not the word of God back in creation. Now this is the word of God personified. It's in the flesh. It's in person. For in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. Catch this. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. You want me to keep going? And the life was the light of men. This whole thing is the word. The chair you're sitting in is the word. The clothes you got on your back is the word. The memory, your abilities, your thoughts, your conscience, that's the word. Everything was created by him and for him. We live in the totality of the sum of the power of the word of God. Oh, somebody. Somebody, give somebody a high five and say, baby, we're talking about the word. I'm talking about the word. I know you know the word here, but I'm talking about the word. I'm not talking about the scriptures. I'm talking about the word of God. Some of the greatest stories and expenses in the Bible we, 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 we hear. How many know Psalms 19? The heavens declare the glory of God. And it's firm at the handiwork. What he say, day unto day, uttereth speech. 
And night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no language. There is no speech. (laughs) Where this is not understood. The psalmist says the lion has gone out throughout the whole world. All throughout the whole earth. But the voice to the end of the world. You see, creation sings Jesus. Everything shouts out the name Jesus. And you see, the enemy has come to disrupt you, to help you think that this didn't happen that way. And I thank God for John, because John said, listen, well, watch John. John gives that wonderful expanse of that translation of Genesis 1. We get it in John 1, and then John says this. John says this. He says, the word was made flesh, and it dwelt among us. You know what John said? John said, and I beheld the glory of God. As of the only begotten of the Father. I beheld the glory. As of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. You see, you see, I touched it. The, 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 the word, I, I touched it. The glory of the Almighty became flesh, and I beheld that glory. I touched it. I was part of it. I touched it. I wasn't consumed in the wrath of God. I didn't die like Uzziah died. I didn't have to run away from his presence. I walked with the word. I lived with the word. I ate with the word. I thought with the word. It slept right next to me. It was right by me. It wasn't distant. It was there talking to me. I, I, I beheld the glory of God. Have you beheld its glory? Have have, have you beheld the glory of God? You, you, You see that word, listen, is quick. Somebody say quick. It's old English language. Just, you know, in, for centuries, they would say that when a woman was pregnant, when she had her first quickening, it was when the baby that was in her womb first moved. It's called a quickening. In other words, something is alive. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the word is alive. It's, it's powerful. I mean, anybody that's seen creation know that, that that's power. You've heard the writer of Hebrews, and, we, and by faith, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That that which is seen, that that which can be seen, was made by things which do not appear. For God calleth those things that are not as though they are. God starts from nothing to make something. It's called creation. It's the word. Producing something out of nothing. That that, that it's powerful. Have you ever had an encounter with the word? Or have we become lackadaisical to the effect of the word upon our lives? I mean, I'm told from the Bible that it's, it's quick, it's alive, it's powerful. The Bible says sharper than any two-edged sword. You see, it cuts. It's cutting between soul and spirit. 
like it's doing now, except some of us are too carnal to be cut. You know, there's a lot of people that when the word of God is preached, the cut goes to carnal. It doesn't go to spirit. It's amazing to me how powerful I can preach a message in this house and only two or three people can receive the word that's spoken. That's because there's too many carnal people in the church. They don't understand the value of the word. How is the word cutting you this morning? Are you bored? Or you say, man, I wish I could spend, you know, I got things to do. I got and the word is going forward, but it's not cutting you as it should. The word is the proof. Of what we say we are before God. Do you love the word? Do you want it? I like what the psalmist says. Thy word is like honey in my mouth. Do you salivate when you read the Bible? Does it cause your faith to explode? Are you excited to read the pages? Do you believe that God is able? Is it stirring your faith? Is it causing a change? Is it producing life in you? What is this doing in your life? What is it doing in your life? This is the word. This is the word. This is the word personified. I know sometimes I met with sometimes some disdain when I tell people, Pastor, if you had to prove, uh, uh, test, or, or decide between your prayer closet and the word, what would you take? I take my prayer closet. You say, well, how could you do that, preachers? Why? Because the word of God is hidden in my heart. Listen, the word is more than this Bible. The word is a person. The word is a person. We call him Jesus Christ. And I know his life and I know his story and I know the gospel. I know what he did and I know that he did it to reveal to you the heart of God. And I would probably suppose I'm probably more of an ardent studier of the word of God than most. I love the word of the Lord. It's how I eat. It's the bread of my life. But even I know. That what I'm taking in is the person. That I believe eventually as I eat from the word of the Lord, something's going to manifest in me. And that's the person. Listen, when you read the word, are you reading it because you want to know more? Or are you reading the word because you want to become? There's a lot of people that got a lot of Bible knowledge. I meet them all the time, and I'm always involved in some apologetic work of the Scriptures. And there's a lot of people that know a lot of the Bible. They just haven't been changed. <laughs> I, I, in fact, I'll tell you, recently I've been involved with some people who are atheistic in their belief system. Because how many know atheism is a belief? Because God doesn't believe in atheists. He says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. Creation testifies that God is who he says he is. But these atheists know more Bible than most people in this church. The difference is they're not changed. I know some people that all they heard was the gospel and their life was radically altered. Why? Because the Spirit of God is working in you to produce the image of Christ. Listen, these words, if they don't lead you to become more like Jesus, you're not reading your Bible right, baby. Because once you lay hold of these words, and these words start working in you, uh, you start acting and talking and moving like Jesus. You start believing in Jesus. You want the heart of God, the mind of God. You want the love of God. You want everything about God. Once you get these words inside of you, baby. Things happen to you. You can't sit back and look around. You get excited when you hear Jesus. Because if somebody said, Jesus, you jump to your feet and say, Hallelujah. Give me some Jesus. Go hug somebody right now and say, Give me some Jesus, baby. Give me some Jesus. Give me some Jesus. Give me some Jesus. Give me some Jesus. Give me Jesus. Or give me death. I want him. Listen, the battlefront isn't the Bible. The battlefront isn't creation. The battlefront is the glory. 
You understand today, listen, friend, if the word has not impacted you, I take you to take careful inventory of your walk with God. And if today is the only day in the week that you've heard the word of God spoken or read, I counsel you right now, friend, to take careful inventory of your life before God. For friend, this doesn't enter you by osmosis. This comes because you believe in the glory of God and the manifestation of God by the entering of the word of the Lord. That when the word of the Lord gets inside of you, something starts to come alive in you. Something powerful begins to reside in you. You'll cut to the spirit, baby. You cut past the marrow. You understand it said it cuts past the marrow and through the bone. Listen, there's a hard part of us. It's the joint that when the word of God comes, it cuts through that hard part. What does it get to? The marrow. Where the blood is. Where things are tender and soft. You know, I came from a generation where when they would make soup, they used soup bone. And the, the bone, you didn't have to flavor the water because the marrow flavored the water. And we didn't eat all the vegetables and potatoes. Of you. You, just, you just drank the juice because it had the marrow. And the marrow is the strength. Listen, the health of your blood is in your marrow. It's where you're most tender. It's where the red blood cells are made. And those red blood cells carry life, breath, oxygen. Listen, there's a word inside your marrow. When something happens to you, you don't have to catch your breath because you have the breath of God. That you're walking under the counsel of the Almighty. You're abiding under the word, under the shadow of his wings. You know that God is with you. So how do you know he's with you? Because the word abides in me. And I can speak that word. That word is on the wise. I love this particular passage of scripture because in Hebrews chapter 4, I, I, I want to read this to you just, just, just for a moment because, because there is something here that doesn't meet the eye. He says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open. This is, uh, there was no other way for the King James writer to pin what is actually meant in the Greek. This is what is meant by taking something by the throat and bending somebody's head back. Got anything in your life that you need to bend its head? Is there anybody here that's got an issue, a problem, a strife, something befuddling you that you'd like to grab the head of that thing and bend it back and choke the life out of it? Anybody got something like that going on in your life? I wish I had somebody because I'm talking aggressively and I'm talking purposely because I'm talking about the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord isn't some average ordinary thing for the word of the Lord is a power of God. I'm asking you a question, baby. Is there anything in your life that you'd like to take by the throat and bend its head back and make it bow to the Almighty? Baby, what you need is the word and you need the word of God in your life and you need to be walking in faith in that word knowing that God will be faithful to what he's promised. If God made all of this, Jesus made all of this, what can he not do? The car you drove in this morning was full of Jesus. The breakfast you ate was full of Jesus. The mirror you looked in was full of Jesus. The milk you pulled out of your refrigerator was full of Jesus. The toast that you toasted and put grape jelly on was full of Jesus. The clothes that you got on is full of Jesus. Everything you know about your life is full of Jesus. You just haven't glorified him yet. See, baby, if you knew that Jesus was all in all and was in everything, you'd be glorifying God right now in his house. And I glorify you, oh God. The enemy doesn't want you to know that. He's trying to keep you blind to the glory of God. He deserves all the glory. If God did it for him, he'll do it for you. Jesus said, you search the scriptures thinking you have eternal life. The scriptures talk about me. He said to the people back in his day, he said, listen, Moses, listen, you believe in Moses, then you should believe my words, for Moses wrote of me. 
for all of creation story. See, most folks don't even know. Creation story. Do you know how Moses got the story of creation? God said it. God said what he said in the beginning. It's called the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible were written by Moses, who literally penned down from the voice of God, wrote down what God said to say. This is how it was done. You'd rather believe Darwin. Charles Darwin has a book. This is how it was done. We've got a whole host of people in the church that don't realize what is evolution. But an attack against the glory of Christ. What is the attack on the word but an attack on the person we call Jesus? And I ain't having it. Because I believe it just as it's written. I believe that my Jesus is all that and a bag of chips. I believe my Jesus can do it. I believe he's powerful. I believe he has all ability. But friend, I can believe that. But if you're not walking in that... I can't give to you my faith, baby. You got to get it if you want it. It's just so convenient to go with the sway of culture, the conversation of town, and all the questions that just lead to more confusion. Even in the church, we have people who don't believe that God made it like he said he made it. So God needs any help. My God is able I believe that my Jesus walked this earth and he was the manifested glory of God. If you want to know how God feels about something, just follow Jesus. This is what John was trying to tell you. I touched the glory. It was manifested in the flesh. This is not just paper. These are not just scriptures. These are not just ideas and fables and stories. I touched the manifested glory of God in the person I call Jesus. He changed my life. He changed my life. Are you there in Hebrews? Hebrews 1, go there. I'm going to close this thing down. Because I'm going to bless these babies by the word of the Lord. I'm going to pray a prayer that will saturate the very pillow they sleep on. I'm going to bless them so well and anoint them so well that they're going to pick up a a book from school. I'm going to anoint that book with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because my Jesus is in everything. He's all in all. He's the money in my pocket. He's the time on my clock. He's the clothes on my back. He's the very air I breathe. He's my strength, my vitality. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. Somebody shout, he's everything. He's everything. Just stay hold tight, Ethan, because man, I'm going somewhere, baby. So I want somebody to hear this. Listen. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5. Front of which of the angels said he at any time. This is God speaking, Paul relaying to the Hebrews the voice of God. He says, For unto which of the angels said God at any time, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And if the angels saith he, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. This is God calling Jesus God. For thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the works of thine hands. 
they shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shall thou fold them up. And they shall be changed, but thou art the same. And thy ears shall not fail. But to which of his angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand. Until I, might, until I make thy enemies thy footstool. You say, where is the word? You say, preacher, where's the word? Is there anybody in here today, listen. Is there anybody in here that needs a word from God? I got like two hands go up. That may be part of the problem. Friend, you need the word like you've never needed the word before. Listen to this. Where is the word? The word is at the right hand of God. What, what does that mean? That the word now is at all authority and at all power. He's at the right hand of God. I'll put it to you like this. After Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, the greatest exposition of the mind of God was preached the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus comes down off that mountain and a leper comes. He wants to know if Jesus will heal him. Isn't that always what happens when a message is preached? People want to know, will God do it for me? Isn't that what happens today? I'll preach this message about the word, but you're still left with the idea, will God do it for me? And you know what? That leper came and said, will thou heal me? I know you can, but will you? And Jesus said, I will. The Bible said, Jesus stretched forth his hand and healed that leper right where he stood. No sooner than Jesus could move from that place, a centurion came. He said, Master, I need your help. You see, my servant lies at home, grievously ill, sick of the palsy. And Jesus, great, let's go, I'll heal him. He said, No, I don't need you to come. You don't have to come. All I need you to do is say the word. Speak the word. Listen, he said, listen, listen. I'm, I'm a man under authority. I know how authority works. You see, I say to one, come, and he comes. One, go, to he goes. All I need you to do is speak the word. Jesus stepped back and looked at all the people. Bible says he marveled. For he hadn't seen such great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. And Jesus said, this, many are going to come from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south, from all over the world. And they're going to take that which was promised to Israel. They're going to be seated next to God. Why? Because they trusted the word. I've come to tell you that God's word is true. And it is a refuge to those who abide within it. That the word of God is pure and it will work wherever you send it to. The prophet Isaiah says that when rain and snow will fall from heaven, so shall the word of God be. That wherever that word falls, it's going to water at that place and it's going to prosper that place and it's going to bring forth in that place. And I just need a witness or two to say, preacher, I believe that the word of God is exactly what God said it is. It is the glory of God revealed in Christ. It is the glory of God revealed in this person called Jesus. And today I stand upon that word and I declare that word. And I say, Jesus is mine, and his word is mine. And I declare that word, and I'm going to take that thing by the throat, and I'm going to bend its head back, and I'm going to make it bow to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. I want you to lift your hands right now to heaven. The Bible says this. Paul says it. He says that when they knew God, he's talking about the world. You see, God doesn't believe in atheists. You know why? 
because every one of them came to a place of faith by looking at creation to say look at the glory of God but they failed to give God the glory that was due him and the Bible says that God turned them over to a reprobate mind you see the world has every rhyme and reason to discredit creation they have every cause to be because church they've turned from the glory of God the Bible says they became wise vain in their own imaginations thinking themselves to become wise the Bible says they became fools friend don't be a fool for the devil will you lift your hand to heaven right now and thank God for everything made that was made for everything you've touched and been a part of will you glorify Jesus in heaven to say thank you for such a glorious thing for your creation for the work of your hands I want to tell you how beautiful it is some of you have no more than to look at your baby girl, your baby boy. Some of you have no more than to take a picture and an image of your family to say, look what the Lord has done. Some of you have nothing more than to look at your checkbook and your home and the things that are about you to see the blessing of God, the goodness of God, the word of God playing out in your life real time so that you won't have reason to say, what do I thank God about or for? The word has been faithful. He satisfied you. Will you lift up your hands and say, the word has satisfied me. It's the clothes that I wear. It's the ring on my finger. It's the food in my stomach. It's the life that I'm living. It's the strength that I have. It's my vitality. It's my thought. It's my ability to live, to move, to have being. Will you thank him? Come on, thank him. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't let the devil steal the glory of his creation in your life. Don't let the devil steal the glory that is due him. For that creation is by him, for him, and through him. Everything that was made was made because of him. My Jesus is so good. He's so wonderful. I can't stop but thank him. I can't stop but say, Jesus, you are incredible. You are magnificent. Look at the work of your hands. How marvelous, how meticulous is the Lord. <laughs> My Jesus is incredible, absolutely incredible. My Jesus is awesome. My Jesus has ability. All worship, all praises do him.